Welcome to NARAL's The Morning After. Each Thursday, our podcast brings you the latest on reproductive health care, progressive politics, and the fight to keep abortion safe and legal. NARAL's The Morning After is a production of NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ProChoiceOH. Enjoy the show! So, hey, this is Gabe. Uh, today we are talking with Shark Fu, uh, <laughs> live from Missouri, Pamela Merritt, uh, the one, the only. Uh, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Gabe? Oh, man, fighting a fight similar to what you're doing um, <laughs> there in Missouri. We've, we've known each other over 10 years now. Yep, yep. Um, uh, as as e organizers uh, with Planned Parenthood affiliates back in the day, how did you how did you start with Planned Parenthood? What's your what's your what's your uh, reproductive rights origin story? My origin story, oh, that's a good one. So, um, so I actually had been working for the St. Louis area LGBTQ newspaper, um, which is was then called the Vital Voice, and now it's a magazine, but it was a paper paper back in the day. And I did advertising and I also was blogging and writing freelance about reproductive rights and um, and race and politics. So I had somewhat limited online knowledge, but I talked myself into <laughs> that first job. It was just such a great opportunity and it was everything that I both wanted to do, but also wanted to learn. So I went in there and um, cleverly marketed myself. And <laughs> thankfully, Mevy Mead hired me <laughs> and the rest is history. Uh, when you were going through those, uh, those early years of Planned Parenthood advocacy, um, what sort of challenges were you guys facing there in Missouri? Uh, you know, how early did uh, your your situations start. I came on board uh, at, to finish up like October of the the Obama election time. Obama almost won Missouri. Like he came within a ridiculously close margin of votes, and I think that reflects both the climate of the state that we were still um, we were still dealing with a state that that was movable and um, reasoned. And, you know, there's all kinds of arguments that voter suppression was the only thing that kept him from taking Missouri. But um, but we were also dealing with it with a coordinated and organized plan that had been in, in the works in, in implementation in Missouri before 2008. So um, right. when I came on board, they had, um, they were already planning their gerrymandering, redistricting strategies. They um, term limits had already started to take a toll on on the quality and the commitment. I think of the of the majority. And then uh, every year, for the last three years, they had been teeing up what what we thought was like fresh meat for um, the anti-abortion crowd. So it would be you know, a trap law here, a restriction here. And then uh, it's almost like, again, like they had a coordinated plan that after Obama was elected, all of this energy went to the states. And it first hit us, uh, I think with the ACA battle, 
um, in the birth control benefit debate within ACA and then obviously coverage for abortion. Um, we had, uh, we are unfortunately in Missouri, home to Rush Limbaugh and uh, at the time Dana Loesch. Both of them were major players uh, and I think had a, as far as in the Tea Party movement stuff and in uh, the really disgusting characterizations of what ACA was going to be with death panels and all kinds of foolishness. So um, it, it kicked off almost immediately upon the election of Obama and it just never stopped. Right. It, just grown and grown. And, uh, and I think in the last four years, it's really solidified behind um, a, a coordinated effort to have voter suppression through voter ID, and then to have to basically on a multi level strategy, make it make abortion a right in Missouri and name only. Now in Ohio, our voter suppression comes in the form. We've got some ID uh, laws that, that need to be improved, but we're just so gerrymandered. Do yeah. you guys face gerrymandering the same way that we do here? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's frustrating because when you have conversations with people who don't quite understand gerrymandering, they'll say, well, you know, they want to change the complete political strategy of how we approach gerrymandered states just because of election results. And it's hard to explain to them that the, the supermajority anti-choice uh, numbers in Jefferson City, Missouri do not reflect um, the majority of Missourians. Like I live in St. Louis, it's, um, it's a huge population center. It is the one of the economic engines of the state, the other one being Kansas City. Um, and if you factor in the county, we're talking well over millions of people um, who have an opinion, but we're represented by one state senator in the city of St. Louis. And that's ridiculous. And some of the districts are absolutely laughable, um, but they are drawn to make it impossible to run somebody and, and win and um, who who actually stands up for the rights of people who experience pregnancy or reproductive right. rights broadly. So uh, we have the, it's a double whammy. It's basically between term limits and gerrymandering. Not only do we get people who, um, you know, didn't really have a run, you know, they weren't really contested or tested in any way, then we're also not messaging um, in those areas appropriately, because, you know, we're thinking, well, what, why bother? And in reality, you know, there's whole parts of the state that haven't been touched with uh, abortion positive messaging in years. And then you have uh, the, the term limits and the gerrymandering coming together. So we're not getting the best and the brightest. And then by the time uh, their policy decisions uh, have an impact, they're not even in office. Right. Yeah, I mean, people people don't talk about term limits and the damage that that does, you know, especially when you have a uh, a minority caucus in a you know a House or Senate chamber mm -hmm. for them to lose somebody after just a short number of years, mm -hmm. all of that knowledge walks out the door too. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's a nightmare. Okay. So, so that's the environment in Missouri uh, that you were um, kind of coming into this field. Uh, through 
um, with Planned Parenthood. Can you talk about how you um, how you made the decision to um, to, to start ReproAction? Talk mm-hmm. about you know what's the origins of the organization there? Yeah, great question. So um, I had five wonderful years at Planned Parenthood. It's weird to say that because they were. They were years where we were at war federally or in the state of Missouri every second. And we had a running joke that, well, if we're going to have a little bit of a of an easy time, we can take a breath in this month and then something would kick up. And I'm like, when do we, when do we? <laughs> like this? Is crazy. Um, but I, I was uh, lucky enough to get to work on some amazing projects like um, against personhood in Mississippi or to parent notification in Alaska. And I learned a ton and I really appreciate um, the ability to to learn and the, the support that I got so that I picked up a lot of skills. And then um, I felt like I, I needed to move on and that um, I wanted to pick up more, um, I should say I wanted to pick up broader skills of progressive messaging and also understand the policies behind a lot of um, our progressive brothers and sisters because they also impact our ability to do our work. And I wanted to figure out how to explain to um, unions exactly why, you know, reproductive justice is an economic issue. And so, um, and they're very powerful, we're a union state. So I uh, took a job at Progress Missouri, which was part of the Progress Now network. They have them in several states. And it is basically a progressive communication hub. And it's a nonstop campaign and it feels like it. And I was working in Jefferson City um, and commuting back and forth to St. Louis. And it it allowed me to, first of all, learn how to use uh, marketing and the press and social media in a rapid response kind of way that I had not been doing at Planned Parenthood. And then also um, I got to see, you know, how the sausage is made both in packaging a story um, and then also in in figuring out, you know, who are the bad actors and how do we educate the public about what these people are really doing and on, on the people's time and in their dime. So, you know, they'll send out an email and say that we just passed, you know, legislation to save the preborn. And in reality, if people actually heard what folks said behind closed doors or even in an open hearing that they're pretty confident nobody's watching, um, they'd be disgusted regardless of how you view um, reproductive rights. So we did a lot of opposition research and rapid response. We um, taped hearings and and sent out uh, you know quotes that really lifted up the true motivations of the opposition. Um, and then after two years, I, I felt like it was almost like grad school, <laughs> and I was like totally, um, totally like immersed in that kind of learning about all of the other um, sectors of <laughs> politics but also about this communications um, technique that I felt was very successful. And that's when I got an email um, going into my second year, halfway through my second year at Progress Missouri from Aaron Matson, uh, who had been working on a project um, and had begun the genesis of what ultimately became 
repro action. And uh, the, the email that she sent basically asked if I had time to talk about the what I felt about the reproductive rights movement and whether we were winning or losing. And I immediately like replied because I had all kinds of opinions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, you want to have a conversation. All right. I'm like, we can talk. And we had a great conversation, which was one of many. And ultimately, um, after she did some additional research and um, and then we had some more uh, conversations about our theory of change and what, what we were comfortable about as far as personal risk and um, and professional reputation. <laughs> we, That's a big one. Yeah, it's a big one. We decided um, and did form ReproAction in July of 2015. Nice. And so you guys have been working for these, uh, these past four years, um, really taking a look at all of the issues nationally with you in Missouri uh, and she's in Virginia, mm-hmm. um, how, do you, how do you find the balance on, you know, this is in my backyard, I really wanna be a player here mm-hmm. versus, oh, that's happening out there. Um, can you talk about that? Right, so it's, it's that balance that actually intrigued us. Um, one of the things, I mean, Aaron and I agree on a lot <laughs> and, um, and one of the first things we agreed on was the fact that we wanted to go, um, as we say in hockey, like where the puck isn't. We wanted to be <laughs> wanted to be in states where um, where the mainstream reproductive rights uh, movement wasn't necessarily investing because they didn't feel that they had an electoral benefit. Um, so and and but these are the states like Arkansas or Missouri or. Um, you know, uh, Kansas, but even though it's shifted, um, those were the states where where we're on the front lines and often are the test kitchen for really horrible policy that then gets rolled out everywhere. Um, so, so we uh, we sensed in 2015 that this where we were going and where we have ended up, and we felt like there was going to be a full full press. Um, attacking Roe federally and then shoring up um, abortion deserts uh, state by state. And so um, so we we definitely wanted to have our foot in these in the in the grassroots and we're a direct action organization. So um, having a presence in the grassroots where direct action is happening um, and where and demonstrating to the broader movement that uh, that it's not all or nothing that we need, we cannot abandon states just because they're not turning out senators for us. Um, and so, yeah, the balance is that we, we have to keep the pressure on the national pro-life groups and on uh, and on you know anti-abortion politicians. We know that we need to hold them accountable because they're the ones who are generating this this playbook that the states are going by. But we also know that part of the reason we're here, I can speak for you know the states that I've been active in, um, but part of the reason we are where we are is because we have been very reactive and not proactive, even though I think that's shifted a little bit in the last year and a half. And we also, have been focusing on the electoral benefits, which are important. But you know, in Missouri, we have 
we're we're struggling because we just have we we accepted the premise of 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 a false argument that abortion is something to apologize for that rural Missourians somehow will never understand why it matters. <laughs> you know, it's it's a lot of work, um, but but I I do that work because I firmly believe that repro action um, has a role to play in demonstrating um, how we can take direct action to make change, but also how we can um, how we can shift things into a, a proactive stance, even in places where folks in New York are like, oh my God, it's so bad. And you're just like, this is this is where the front line is and this is where we need to do it. Right. Um, well, you know, you, your guys' work is is absolutely inspiring. Um, and so I'm, I'm definitely grateful for it. Um, <laughs> uh, and so, uh, so the thing that you're working on now mm -hmm. um, uh, is you guys have one last clinic. Um, mm -hmm. You know, our we we love our um, uh, our U.S. Senator Sherrod Brown. He's great, mm -hmm. um, big supporter, and he always wears a pin on his lapel of a canary, mm -hmm. and he says that his uh, his team's job is to be the canary in a coal mine, and he takes that very literally. Um, looking at coal miners and how they used actual canaries. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like in terms of looking at where states are headed, Missouri is like a canary in a coal mine. You know, Ohio has been losing clinics and we're down to our last few. You're down to one. From um, five. From five. Yeah. <laughs> um, and 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 a state the size of Missouri, five to me does not sound like an adequate number. It's not. It's not. Yeah. Um, so the work we're doing here is both it, for repro action. We have two roles. One is to make sure that we support and shore up direct action that centers the people most impacted by by losing a clinic or by an eight week ban. So, you know, we want to lift up the voices of, you know, low wage workers, uh, black women and women of color, trans men and folks who are going to um, have an, an extraordinary burden um, and to struggle to get to our health centers in Missouri, much less across the, the river to a, a provider in Illinois. Um, and then the second and that is obviously some of this is in the courts right now um, as we speak, <laughs> but but ultimately our second uh, campaign, which is uh, uh, self-managed abortion and stop prosecuting abortion campaign is is what I'm excited to say is we're something we're actually bringing to Ohio. <laughs> hey. Yeah, so um, stay tuned. We don't have dates or anything confirmed, but we want people to understand that the la the logical consequence of abortion bans in in 2019 is people going to jail. People who experience pregnancy and self manage their abortions outside of a medical setting are going to go to jail. Um, there are when you say the logical progression, you mean the mm -hmm. unfortunate reality. Yeah, right? yeah, and and to a certain extent, a reality that we need to talk about. Um, and we need to force the question of people who support them because they're gonna say, well, the provider's gonna go to jail and we're gonna have to answer that with, 
increasingly, you know, it's not 1972. So, uh, you know, some people are going to take some dire measures, but um, folks do know about medication abortion. So this is not about, um, I think the biggest risk for most people is going to be whether or not they are prosecuted and whether or not they we're going to have doctors and the police investigating every miscarriage because, you know, it presents the same. So, um, so I think we need to call the question for people who support these bans. And we also need to work to try to, you know, tear down the laws that would criminalize um, you know, medication abortion or put people in that position. But we have people on tape from pro-life organizations and on into like a Texas representative in Congress saying that they want women to go to jail for having a, uh, for self-managing their abortion and that they want some, in some cases, women to face the death penalty. So when we see criminal penalties and in, in bans, we need to, um, we need to keep it real both for for our constituents in the in the population, but also um, for the people that we're trying to to uh, defeat. Right. So it it sounds to me, and, and correct me if I'm wrong in, in my assessment here, that um, this last clinic is it's a Planned Parenthood facility. Mm-hmm. So Planned Parenthood's legal team is on it, right? On it. You guys are kind of looking past that courtroom legal strategy. Mm-hmm to say, you know, hey, okay, if they've, if they've uh, got the court battle locked down, mm-hmm. where else in the state can we advocate? Who are the other voices, not the voices of the lawyers, but the voices of the patients or the people who can't even get to a clinic to become a patient? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who can we amplify? Yeah. And that's where you're going. Exactly, exactly. Because I think all too often, um, you know, it's very hard and it is, I, I always, always tell people it's a privilege to be able to lobby and it's a privilege to be able to take time off in the middle of a work day and go to Jefferson City, which is two hours away from either Kansas City or St. Louis. So it's all too often people who look like me don't, don't get seen and don't get heard by the people who are, who are passing policy that impacts our lives. And I think, you know, that's, that's actually... Um, borne out in the fact that the same people who claim to be pro-life have taken zero action on policies that would help us address our horrible infant and maternal mortality rates for Black women and infants. So it's very important that um, that we remember and in, in center in our strategy, but also um, in our messaging, the people who are actually going to face horrific um hurdles to access care because of what's going on. I I grew up in the suburbs in a middle class, you know, uh, subdivision and those folks are going to be able to go and, and access care in another state. Um, I'm, it's the people who are rural poor um, and who are city poor or working class who are going to suffer. Uh, you mentioned going to other states, and that's something obviously here we're seeing. Um, we've looked for Ohio at um, at Michigan's uh, abortion data that that state puts out, and so we've seen people cross from Ohio into Michigan to get access. You are bookended by Kansas and Illinois. Um, Illinois uh, has reaffirmed the right to an abortion, which you know 
not very surprising. It's a it's a nice progressive state, of, you know, in 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 certain centers. Um, <laughs> Kansas did the same thing, and that was kind of like you know, for for us all the way over here in Ohio who don't have a great understanding of Kansas politics, it was like mm -hmm. Kansas. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how 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 did that work? Uh, and and does that help at all? Um, having states on either side have positive policies, or is that not enough to compensate for what's going on? I don't think it's enough to uh, to compensate um, in the sense that it's going to apply any political pressure or any motivation to the majority um, in the General Assembly. They don't. They absolutely don't care. It's bizarre. They have adopted some of Kansas. Um, pre-2018 horrible economic policy, they will not be adopting Kansas um, reproductive rights uh, um, evolution. So um, it does help in a sense that, that it, you know, we will have options. It doesn't help in the sense that, as you well know, um, you know, people come from all over to access abortion care at, the, at reproductive health services in St. Louis. So we are actually servicing people who are coming from, um, and I'm not there, I don't work there, but who are coming from Iowa, who are coming from Oklahoma, who are coming from Arkansas, which is has horrible bans, uh, yeah. or and um, into the South. And, and in Missouri, we've had a 72 hour mandatory waiting period for quite some time. So our, we've had people who've had to go over the river prior to this year. So I think um, what the conversations I've been hearing are of how do we get people from rural or more isolated areas and help them with transportation? How are we going to help them um, find a place to stay? And how are we going to help them afford their, their procedure and um, setting up a network of safe and vetted people who can who can do that work? So, <laughs> on one hand, it's um, it's helpful and inspiring, and you get this nugget of hope. On the other hand, what we're describing is no different than Ireland having people in boats. <laughs> you know, it's this. It it boggles my mind that that in a country that is supposed to you know uphold rights for everybody. I can live in Missouri and have radically diminished rights versus somebody who is 20 minutes away from me across the state border. So um, it's it's frustrating and, and, and it's absolutely no way. It's unacceptable that people would have to access care that way. Right. I, I did a, a union campaign once in a, a previous job in East St. Louis. Uh, so I've got a sense of uh, what that community is like. Do they have clinics there? Um, um, the, the Hope Clinic, which is amazing. Okay. Um, Hope Clinic is actually in Granite City. Um, so, you know, not quite in East St. Louis, but but really right over the river. Um, so, yes, and it is, um, and as I said, because of our 72-hour mandatory waiting period in Missouri, it's it's challenging because we've already um, had an increased demand at Hope, so they both need support, um, and they also uh, are 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 handling an increased volume, which is only going to increase more 
um, should we lose the clinic here? Okay. Uh, okay, so we're just about out of time. Do you wanna tell people um, how they can uh, find you uh, and how they can get involved? Uh, and then the last thing will be, uh, what's your prediction for the uh, for the, the Stanley Cup playoffs? <laughs> of course. Um, so you can find ReproAction um, at reproaction.org on the internets. Um, we are ReproAction on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at SharkFu, S-H-A-R-K-F-U. Um, and my blues are gonna win it in six. Let's go blues. In six, okay, you better. I don't like Boston. They knocked us out of the playoffs. So. Of course, but no, well, Boston likes Boston, but everybody else is rooting for us. So I'm, I'm super proud of my of my guys and I'm hoping we get it in six. Okay. Well, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me. Um, uh, keep up the good work. Thank you, Gabe. Okay. Bye, Pamela. Bye.